I think I'm recording. Numbers chapter 16. <clears throat> and this morning, I uh, just want to challenge you on the topic of the urgency of missions. And I think uh, a lot of times as we, as I've been traveling around and uh, been in churches, I, I fear sometimes we lose the urgency to see the lost reach with the gospel. And we lose the urgency to see the world reach with the gospel. And uh, here in Numbers chapter 16, there's a story that I think beautifully illustrates uh, the necessity of getting the gospel around the world. Of, of, of having that weight laid upon us of seeing the world reach with the gospel and seeing uh, lost people reach with the gospel. And what's going on here in Numbers chapter 16, kind of give you the quick background um, of what's going on, is basically there's a, it starts out with a man who rebels against God and he, he influences more men to rebel against God and they get more men to rebel against God and they get all the, almost all the congregation of Israel to rebel against God. And God's going to pour out His wrath upon them because of that rebellion, uh, but He spares the congregation of Israel, and He pours out His wrath on those other men. And you think that Israel would be thankful because God spared them and had mercy upon them. But instead of being thankful, they start complaining, and that's where we pick up in verse 41. <clears throat> in verse 41. It says, But on the morrow all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation. And behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer. And put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly into the congregation, and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord, the plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded, and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people, and he put on incense, and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 besides them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you once again to stand in health, Lord, and to preach your word. Lord, I ask that you do a work in the hearts of your people, Lord, that we can uh, revive that urgency to see the lost reach with the gospel. Lord, love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so here in verse 44, it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, and look what he says, Because of co the congregation of Israel rebelling against God, in verse 45, the Lord looks at Moses and says, Get you up from this congregation that I may consume them as in a moment. And as soon as he says, I'm going to consume them as in a moment, Moses and Aaron, the Bible says, that they fell upon their faces. Now, why do you think that Moses and Aaron fell upon their face? You know, it's a sign of praying and, 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 and coming before God. And I imagine they're begging God for mercy. But I was thinking about that. I said, why was that their instant reaction when they heard this, this news? And I thought about it for a minute, and then I realized that Moses and Aaron, they took God at His word. That when God said He was going to do something, that He meant it. That they didn't doubt God. 
that God looked at them and just said, look, all the congregation of Israel is going to be consumed as in a moment. And they knew that God meant exactly what he said. And so they fall down on their face. And I imagine they're begging God for mercy. And you and I, when we look at the world today, you and I, when we, 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 we see the, the population of about 7 billion people on this earth, and we, we hear and we know the truth that if a person dies without Christ, if a person dies in their sins, if they never profess Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they're going to be eternally separated from Him. But the problem is, I'm afraid that we believe that, but we don't believe it deep enough, amen? That we, if we believed it deep enough, then when we look at the world who doesn't know Christ, it would cause us to fall on our knees and to beg God for mercy for them. The same way that Moses and Aaron, when they hear that information, if we would take God at His word, then we would have to fall down and we would have to beg God and say, God, I don't know what I can do to make a difference, but God, here's my life. Use me. The country of China has a population of 1.4 billion people. And the current death rate in the country is right around 20,000 people a day. That's almost 7 million people a year. I currently live in the state of Georgia, which has about 10 million people. So every year and a half in the country of China, the entire population of the state of Georgia dies inside the country of China. And you say, Mark, why do you tell us those numbers? Those are a little disappointing. It's a little overwhelming. We can't even comprehend that, that size of a country. And I imagine when Moses and Aaron heard that all the congregation of Israel was going to be consumed in a moment from God Himself, they also were a little overwhelmed. And the problem isn't with being overwhelmed with information or statistics or even being overwhelmed at the task. I live in the country of China, and like I said, we're able to look out and to see the city. And every day I'm reminded of that fact that the majority of them that are around us don't know Christ. Uh, Skyla, who is our, our second oldest, was sitting up here just a minute ago. Uh, I guess it was a couple years ago that she had herself had professed Christ as Lord and Savior and got saved and got baptized there in China. And she was in preschool and uh, our kindergarten. And she went in and uh, she, she you know, made a bunch of friends there at the school. And uh, we were uh, putting her down for bed one night and we uh, all kneeled along the bed there and just had prayer requests. Each of them kind of gave their prayer requests. And sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're good. And uh, before we prayed, went to her and her prayer request. She said, Dad, can we pray for the kids in my school? She says, I'm the only one that believes in Jesus. And from that young of an age, she could see the need. That they need to know who Christ is and that they don't know. And, and so we, we prayed there that that she could be a light, and she, we had an activity at the church, and she was able to invite her class, and almost every one of the students in her class uh, was able to come to the activity at the church. And uh, so that was an exciting thing. But the problem is we, we got to allow that burden to overwhelm us. I call it a holy burden. Oftentimes we think of burdens as being bad, but there's such a thing as a good burden. It's just knowing what to do with that burden. And we allow that burden to drive us to our knees and then we beg God for mercy, beg God to raise up laborers, pray for missionaries to be sent forth and to go into the world. But you know, it doesn't stop there at prayer. 
prayer is foundational. Prayer is something that we ought to do, but we have to follow our prayers up with action. And Moses and Aaron, they knew that to be true, that they had to take action. If all the churches in America just spent uh, every day for the next year just praying for the lost, and nobody ever went out and preached the gospel, nobody would get saved. Because Romans 10 is very clear. Faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. And so we have to preach the gospel. And once we preach the gospel, somebody hears the gospel. And when they hear the gospel, they can believe unto salvation. Amen? And so there's a need for people to go out. And so we pray. But when we get done praying, we've got to stand and we've got to take action. And that's what Moses and Aaron had to do here in this chapter. Look at verse 46. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put on incense and go quickly unto the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. And so imagine this in your mind like you're watching a movie. The plague starts out and it starts going through the congregation. And as that plague's moving through, people are literally losing their lives. They are dying. And Moses looks at Aaron and says, Aaron... He says, we, we, we know how to stop this. We know that if there's an atonement made, it will appease the wrath of God. So Aaron, you have to run and you have to get incense and you have to get it uh, fire off the altar. And you have, you have to go and you take that censer and put the incense and put the fire in there and make that atonement. And when that atonement's made, God's wrath will be appeased and the plague will stop. They have that information. And they knew that they were responsible because they could stop the plague. And if you and I are honest, we look at the world today, we know they're infected with a plague called sin. And because of their sin, one day they're going to die and be eternally separated from Christ. But we also have more information and we know that if atonement is made, that their sins can be forgiven. And the good news is, is that the atonement's already been made. We don't have to go make an atonement for them like, like in the verse that they had to do. But everything that a person needs to be restored unto God has already been accomplished in Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus has already come and lived the perfect life that you and I cannot live. And then He willingly died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And three days later, He rose again from the dead so that we could be justified. Everything has already been accomplished. They just simply have to hear. They just simply have to hear so they confess Christ as Lord and Savior. And so, unlike the, the chapter here, we don't have to make the atonement, but like the chapter, we have to go quickly, and we have to go into the congregation, and we have to hold Jesus high and lifted up so that they can believe and be saved. And so Moses and Aaron, they know this. Aaron, or Moses looks at Aaron and he says, Go quickly. There was a sense of urgency to get the job done. There was a sense of urgency to make that atonement. Why? Because people were already dying. And around the world, there's nothing we can do to stop people from dying. There's people who have never heard the gospel who are dying. There are people who have rejected the gospel who are dying. There's people who, who may have heard of and may not understand it who are dying. There's people all around the world in so many different circumstances who are dying. And many have yet to hear the gospel. Yet you and I, we know something. We know that if they heard the truth, they could believe. 
He says, go quickly unto them. Look at verse 47. And Aaron took as Moses commanded, and he walked. What's the Bible say? He ran. So Moses said, go quickly, and Aaron translated that, I got to run. I got to run. And he ran into the midst of the congregation, and behold, the plague was begun among the people, and he put on the incense, he made the atonement for the people. And look at verse 48, where is he at? He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. So imagine this in your mind for a moment. That plague's coming through. Aaron goes, gets the, everything he needs to make the atonement. He runs directly into the midst of the people. And that plague's come through. He makes that atonement. As soon as he makes it, the plague is stayed. And he looks around. And on this side is the living. And on this side is the dead. He didn't reach everybody in time. In fact, the Bible says 14,700 died that day. But I imagine that everybody on the living side is thankful that Aaron made it in time for them. And the statistics around the world can be discouraging. And the task in front of us can be discouraging. We say, what difference can we truly make? But everybody that we reach on the living side say, I'm glad you made it to me. I'm sure you would look at the person that gave you the gospel and say, I'm glad you told me. I'm glad that I know. I'm glad that you weren't so overwhelmed with the task at hand that you came and told me the gospel. And I've thought about this, and as I look at it, I say, what can we do to make a difference in the world? We reach one person at a time. In the country of China, on Sunday mornings, we started a kids club before our Sunday morning service. And uh, at that kids club, we, we do the kids club in English because uh, it's a, a way to do a good work in the community. And, uh, you know, you can, as an American living in the city, I could easily charge lots of money to tutor their kids there uh, in person. And uh, we don't do that. Instead, we just say, hey, we'll have a class for free and no charge. And uh, oftentimes they, they, don't, they don't believe us and they, you know, they'll come to the class and they'll say, all right, how's it go how much is it going to be next week? And we're like, no, 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 it's free next week. Okay, it's free every week. And, uh, and it's a way for our church to do a good work in the community. And, uh, and so they'll come to the kids club and we, you know, we use the Bible and it's basically vacation Bible school every week, right? And so, uh, you know, they're memorizing Bible verses in English and all kinds of things. And uh, one week we had this mom and daughter come to the kids club. And then right after the kids club, we have our Sunday morning service, which is all in Chinese, all the preaching and the teaching and the singing, everything's in Chinese. And usually we try to get everybody from the kids club to come over to the church service so they can hear the gospel in their own language. And uh, this mom and daughter came to the church service, and uh, they seemed to have a good time. And they, they came and found me afterwards, and the mom came to me, and she said, she said, Mark, or pastor, she says, we, we really enjoyed the kids' club. She says, but I didn't really enjoy the service. She said, actually, I just didn't like your preaching. And that's always a blessing to hear, amen. <laughs> and she said, I'm Buddhist. So the things you were preaching and the things that I believe are not the same, so I didn't really enjoy it. And I don't think that I should participate in this because I don't believe it. And I said, okay, but she said, but my daughter really enjoys coming to the kids club and she enjoys coming to church to play with your kids. So we want to keep on coming. She says, but I don't really care to participate in the service. Can I just maybe sit outside or sit back in the nursery or something? 
I thought about it for a minute, and I'm thinking, well, if we can you know, keep giving the gospel to her daughter and she can participate, then sure, come on. And so she started doing that. She started sitting back in the nursery, and uh, I thought about it for a minute, and I said, well, if she's going to sit in the nursery every week, then we need to get a camera on the TV and start piping the service back into the nursery, amen? So we went and bought that and got everything set up. We started piping the service back into the nursery. And uh, she was okay with that because she says, I'm still not participating in the service. But she could hear the service going on. And you and I, friends, we know something. When the Word of God is preached, it changes lives. Amen? And she was sitting under the preaching of the Word of God. And it started changing her heart. And she started coming and sitting in our services and uh, started participating in our activities. And me and my wife go to her house and answer her questions. And finally, one day I get a phone call. She calls me and she says, Mark, I just wanted to let you know that I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen? And uh, she got saved and God started working in her life and she started growing. And, um, and, and uh, as she was growing, uh, her story gets better. She, she came to me and uh, she, she told me one day at church, she goes, you know, this weird thing happened to me when I got saved. I said, all right, tell me about it. And she says, you know, I went through a divorce. And I said, yeah, I know. And she says, I have all this bitterness and this hatred and this anger in my heart towards my ex-husband. And she said, when I got saved, all of that bitterness and all that hatred and all that anger, she said, it went away. She said, it's not in there anymore. And she says, actually, I think I pity him. And she said, I think he did all those bad things because he doesn't know who Jesus is. And if he knew who Jesus was, he wouldn't do those bad things. So I think he needs to know who Jesus is. I said, I think you're on to something there, amen? And I want you to think about her story in relation to this story in Numbers. That If we're going to follow this as a pattern on, on urgency of getting somebody to the gospel, the first thing she needs to do is start praying. As Moses and Aaron, as they fell down before God and started praying before God. And she started doing that. She started praying for her ex-husband. But also, if we're going to follow this pattern, we realize that if you urgently want somebody to get the gospel, you urgently want to see their life saved, you can't just pray, but you've got to take action. And so she started taking action. And she started witnessing to her ex-husband. And one day I get a phone call. She says, Mark, are you at the church? I says, yes, I am. She says, I've been witnessing to my ex-husband, and I think he's ready to get saved, but I'm not sure I'm saying everything okay. Can I bring him by the church and you guys make sure? I said, no, nah, I'm too busy right now. No, I said, yes, come to the church. <laughs> and she brought him to the church, and the Chinese pastor took him and sat him down and led him to Christ. And he got saved. But their story gets better. Because the entire time in the background was a little girl who knew mom and dad weren't living together knew there was problems in the home, and knew that mom would pray in the worship to a statue called Buddha. And all of a sudden, one day, they come to a place called church, and, and, and they start coming and learning about this man named Jesus who did all these wonderful things and how God loves her and loves her mom. And finally sees one day that her mom starts trusting and praying to Jesus and gets baptized in his name and gets rid of those Buddhas and every night they pray in the name of Jesus and no longer pray to that idol. And all of a sudden her dad comes to church one day and he gets saved. And the entire time God's working on this little girl's heart and she's hearing the gospel being preached week after week. 
a couple weeks later, that little girl professed Christ as her Lord and Savior. Amen? God changed their life. And about, I guess, maybe a month or so before we came back, we were able to baptize that little girl, girl and her daddy there on the 25th floor. And you say, what can we do to make a difference? One life at a time. And that mom would say, thank you for sending a missionary. Thank you for allowing them to come over so that we can receive the gospel. Just like everybody that was there as Aaron was standing in the mist between the living and the dead, as the living would thank him for getting there in time so their life is spared. But their life was spared just for that day, or maybe they die the next day, but it wasn't eternal life. But when we give somebody the gospel, their life is spared for all eternity. That's a wonderful thing. And so this morning, what is the urgency that you have to get the gospel around the world? What is the urgency that you have to see people reached with the gospel? The Bible says, And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. That plague was coming for that family. But somebody with the gospel ran directly into the mist and proclaimed Christ, and they believed on Him, and that plague was stayed, and that family was spared. And you get to have a part in that as you pray, and you give, and you help for missionaries. And you have a part in that here as you go to the Chinese restaurants, and you can take some of these Chinese tracts, and you can go in and give them the gospel. And you have part of that here when you pray for your, your lost loved ones, and your friends, and your co-workers. But listen, you can't just stop at praying. You've got to share the gospel. People ask me often, that they, they would say, Mark, how are you so bold in the country of China to go in to preach? And it seems the things that you're doing is, is very bold. And I've shared the gospel a lot. And I've realized one thing. In sharing the gospel, you know, when you go to share the gospel, you kind of get nervous. Anybody get that nervous feeling? You know, right before you get you know, you could be charged up, ready to go, you know, take on... Uh, the world, and then you get to somebody where you actually got to start talking to them, and you get that really nervous feeling inside, and you're like, oh man, what am I going to do? And then your mind starts playing a trick on you, and you start thinking, you know, what can I do, everything except going and talking to this person in the gospel to get them the gospel. And you're like, well, maybe, I know they're over there, but I'll lay a track down right here, and maybe they'll come by, actually knock over the track, see it, pick it up, read it, get saved, and become a missionary. Right? Like, that's kind of like what our brain, our brain tells us to do. Because we get nervous. And leaving a track there might not be a bad thing, but that's not complete obedience. And I realize through sharing the gospel, if it's here in America or if it's in China, that that nervous feeling that you get, it doesn't go away. No matter how many times you share the gospel, you still get nervous. And so I realized it wasn't boldness that I needed. It was obedience. That I don't go share the gospel with somebody because I'm bold to go do it, but I, I share the gospel with somebody no matter how much nervous I am simply because he told me to and I'm going to take that step of obedience. And I'm going to go and I'm going to open my mouth and verbally share the gospel with them. And you'll also know if you've shared the gospel, you've been nervous and then you actually go and share the gospel to somebody, when does that boldness come? 
It usually comes right after you start opening your mouth and sharing the gospel. All of a sudden, you know, you get nervous, but in the midst of sharing the gospel with them, you get filled with the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit starts helping you. And you start saying things that you didn't know to say. And you start remember scripture that you didn't know that you remembered. And all of a sudden, you're, 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 you're working and God's working in their life. And maybe somebody that seemed really tough and that this per- no way this person ever gets saved. All of a sudden, you, you just start talking to them about Jesus and the love of God. And that person starts crying. And you're like, I had no idea this would ever happen. Why? Because it's the power of the gospel. It's not my power, it's not my words, but it's the power of the gospel that changes lives. And that boldness comes once we're there sharing the gospel, and then you're encouraged to go do it again. But when you're encouraged to go do it again, and then you go to do it, you're going to get nervous again. And so what do you need? What do we need? We need boldness, or we need uh, obedience. And that obedience does lead to boldness. But in the situation, we got to look and say, that person is infected with sin. And I have the cure. And I've been commanded by the King of kings and the Lord of lords to go preach the gospel to every creature. And that person needs the cure that I have. And I can't force them to take it. But I can definitely tell them, here's the cure. If you want it, your sins will be forgiven. You'll be healed. And you'll have heaven as your home. Are you doing that? Are you evangelizing? Are you soul winning? Are you getting the gospel out? And there's some places that you can go that I can't go. And I go in the places that you can't go. And so I'm excited this church is here because this church is reaching this area and getting the gospel out in this area. I'm here today and I'm leaving the day, but I'm excited because you're here and you're preaching the gospel. And it's a partnership. We go there and preach the gospel there and you preach the gospel here. It's a beautiful partnership to see God working among His people. And so this morning, let me ask you, do you know for sure that you're saved? You've heard the gospel. You've heard the urgency. But do you know that you're saved? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Because we can't help anybody else if we can't first ourselves know 100% sure that our sins are forgiven. And if you don't know, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to know that your sins are forgiven. That heaven is your home. That you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you know that, what are you doing to tell your neighbors? What are you doing to tell your coworkers and your friends? And what are you doing to tell the world of the news of Jesus? If you'll bow your head and close your eyes as the pastor comes for invitation. There's an urgency to get the gospel around the world. And this morning I just simply want you to feel that urgency. And to see that story in numbers as an illustration That there's a plague that's already started, that people are already dying. They're already infected with the plague of sin. But you're Aaron in the story. And you've been commissioned to go and to run into the mist. And to proclaim the atonement of Jesus so that their life could be spared. Will you? Will you be like Aaron? Will you run into the mist? Will you help missionaries run to the field? Together, may we all run faster 
and do a little more than we've done last year, that we've done yesterday. May we feel that urgency and run as fast as we can. I'm going to ask just a couple of questions with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Question number one, very simply, is do you know for sure that you're saved? Has there been a time in your life that you, you can say, I know without